So it's good to have you tonight. Just uh, was mentioning a couple prayer requests, and uh, tonight after the, the meeting, uh, myself and Ron and a handful of others that are here helping with the sound will be in prayer over some of our prayer needs for the church. I'd mention tonight, uh, if you're part of the HBF church family, to remember Wayne Arnie's aunt, uh, Carolyn, who is bereaved at the loss of his uncle, Tom. Uh, he died uh, just last week um, uh, with complications and regarding, regarding the, or due to the COVID virus or the COVID virus itself. Uh, I'm not sure of all the details on that, but obviously it's uh, the situation right now without having funerals and such is just very difficult. I can't imagine um, how hard that is going to be for not just uh, Gwaine's Aunt Carolyn, but for all those that are suffering losses right now uh, due to the COVID uh, virus or any other loss for that matter. Um, and so uh, also with uh, we think about new life, be praying for the Barneses as they're getting ready to have twins uh, here probably May 1st at the latest they'll, if she doesn't have them sooner. So continue to pray for um, uh, Brady and Holly. And then uh, praise God, Sarethany Thomas came through a, this at the end of this last week. She had an emergency um, uh, appendectomy. And so uh, praise God, that was a successful surgery. So we praise God for that. And, um, and then just a couple things to be in prayer about. Jill Paulson, who's always on our prayer list, continue to pray for her and her mother and father, Joyce and Larry Schleihuber. And uh, as well as... Uh, uh, in regard to missions, many of you have been following Mira Howie, uh, and uh, I was just informed she uh, reluctantly, of course, she didn't want to go into the ER because that's a hotbed for uh, the COVID virus in Romania, but I do think she finally had to go to the ER today. So continue to pray for Mira Howie, and, uh, and I think I have the right information on that. If I don't, then praise the Lord. Uh, it's better than I just reported, but just keep her in prayer and uh, remember all of our missionaries. And uh, a lot of our missionaries that are pastoring in other locations as well, remember them tonight as uh, you consider um, it's very difficult financially for many of the pastors uh, and uh, the ministries they have in various places in which we have to minister without getting into specific fields and names. If you're an adult Bible fellowship, uh, there was a brief mention today of some of those needs, so you know what I'm talking about. So, um, uh, you know, Ron was just up here singing about comfort and care. Uh, tonight, I'm going to be, I just want to also mention um, that uh, we're going to, Pat Lee, is has, God has put on his heart to start a comfort, we're calling it just a, the you know, Cass County Comfort Ministry. We're, we're going to offer three times a week, uh, from six to eight, three nights a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, just an opportunity for people to come by, receive prayer, and, and uh, obviously everything will be discreet and a safe physical distance and so on and so forth. But I am looking for some folks uh, that are uh, uh, the right, uh, you know, physical health uh, that would not mind, uh, you know, manning that um, for a couple hours, one night a week. So if you're interested in that, uh, please see Pat uh, Pat um, Lee, and he will get you connected and directed to the, the new comfort care ministry. So hopefully we'll get that started uh, in the next week or so, uh, not so, in the next week, and we'll be able to get the, we have a few guidelines we're going to be training some folks on. So if you're interested in that ministry, See Pat Lee, and if you need more information about how to get a hold of him, check your Shelby app or contact the office at 380-3033, area code 816. So most of you know that, or email us, uh, and so we'll get you going on that. All right, so tonight we're going to be in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 16, and uh, we're going to continue and actually finish up our study there. We've been talking about the evidence of an open life, and uh, if you are following online on our hbfcast.org, website and you go to the notes section on the watch now 
on hbfcast.org. It'll take you right to the, the notes. There's a little note sheet there. Um, and so um, it's really just linking you to uh, the first installation of this uh, little series regarding the open life, going back to 1 Corinthians 16 and verse uh, 15 through 16, when we talked about attitude being everything. So uh, tonight, if you have your Bibles, let's go ahead and look at the text, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, and uh, we're going to we're going to um, wrap this up in verse starting in verse 15. Uh, we're going to just read down through verse 24, and uh, I will talk. I will take on uh, the remainder of the text tonight. So, First Corinthians 16, starting in verse 15, the Bible says here, "I beseech you, brethren, you know the house of Stephanus, that it is the first fruits of Achaia, and they and they that have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints, that ye submit yourselves unto such, and to every one that helpeth with us." And laboreth. I am glad of the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaeus, for that which was lacking on your part they have supplied, for they have refreshed my spirit and yours. Therefore, acknowledge ye them that are such. The churches of Asia salute you, Aquila and Priscilla salute you, much in the Lord, uh, with the church that is in their house. All the brethren greet you, um, greet ye one another with a holy kiss. The salutation of me, Paul, with mine own hand. If any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema maranatha. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. My, uh, my love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the way Paul concludes this, this uh, epistle. It's not uh, much different than the way he began. Uh, he began a very uh, wonderful entrance. The first few verses of this book were very encouraging, and then he put the bad news in the middle and, and ends on a positive note, Lord, and we're so thankful that no matter what we go through in life, at the end of the day, you want us, Lord, and you want to encourage us, and you want us to be the best uh, saints that, that we can be for your honor, for your glory, but also for our sake, Lord, ultimately, uh, because you love us and you care about us. You don't have to acknowledge us. We talked about that this morning, but you do, and you do love us, and you do care for us, and you do want us, and so, Father, uh, we're so thankful that you love us so. I pray, God, that you uh, would continue to demonstrate that to the body of Christ as you have been, even though we're not physically able to be together. Lord, it is nice just to know that, uh, you know, you do love us, and we look forward to being with you, and we look forward to being with one another soon. We thank you and praise you for this time. We ask a blessing on the reading and the hearing of your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we've been looking at uh, the evidence of an open life. You know, um, we've already seen that Paul had an open heart. There were open doors, and and open lives as we looked at the first part of Acts or First Corinthians chapter 16. Now we talk about an open life. And we've already covered the fact that if we want to have an open life, it starts with a submissive attitude because we know that attitude is everything. And we saw that in verses 15 and 16 as, as the Apostle Paul gives really some examples of that. And I and challenge you all to reflect uh, on the, and, and, be, uh, and be selective with your submission. Paul's very careful to say, hey, look, don't submit to just everybody, but find people that are trustworthy, like the House of Stephanus and Fortunatus and so on and so forth. And so we spent some time on that, and we, we talked about how important it is to become addicted to the ministry. And, and so we, we really wrapped up that first point, talking about submissive attitudes with living epistles that were already found in the church. And I spent quite a bit of time just talking about the tangible uh, nature that God provides through the local church of people that are examples to us. And I gave several personal examples as well during that time. So we saw that the evidence of an open life, someone who is submissive to the Lord, someone that you could submit your life to, 
should be sampled and insampled within the body of Christ, within the local New Testament church. That's why we're big on discipleship. Discipleship is about Jesus saying, hey, come and follow me. And that's exactly what the disciples did. They followed Jesus. They said, well, uh, where do you live? Well, come and see, he said. And, and the next thing you know, they're having meals with him. Next thing you know, they're giving their life for him. And so uh, God has a way of drawing us in relationally so that we can be everything he has saved us to be. So having an open life starts with relationships with key people uh, that are themselves submitted to the Lord. Uh, you know, if you want to, you know, they say with your children, you know, look at your kid, kids' friends and that'll tell you what kind of child you have. <laughs> and that's so true, right? Uh, I mean, uh, you want to think that little Johnny isn't as honorary as all his friends, but probably he's leading the pack. So the reality is, is if you want to see, if you, wanna, if you really want to know what your kids are like, just look at their friends. And so that's really what Paul's saying. Hey, look, if you really want to have the evidence of an open life, hang out with those folks like uh, the House of Stephanus and Fortunatus and those guys that are addicted to the ministry. And you know what? Before long, you will be too. Secondly, we saw that we, ought, we got to surround ourselves with these sincere saints because open lives require open and honest communication. We saw that in verse 17. And we got to surround ourselves with saints who refresh our spirit as well as others, right? You can be around folks that are that are always taken and never given. And you do need people in your life that are pouring into you, and not necessarily because they're trying, but just because they have an overflow, right? Their cup runneth over, right? And so uh, I love that in, the, the, in the, the book of Psalm chapter 23. You know, there's a table prepared in the presence of my enemies. What's going on? The cup is running over. It's just, it's full. Uh, and you know, God puts people in a situation where he just fills your cup up to, to overflowing. And it's just incredible. It's like the, when Jesus spoke with the woman at the well, right? He's the living water uh, that he's never tapped out. He's never empty. And praise God, when you have a relationship with Christ, he's able not only to fill you up, but he's able to overflow onto others. So that's why it's so important to have a personal relationship with the Word of God so that we're filling up our hearts and our minds with truth and we're meditating on the Word of God. And, and the Word of God is like, a, is like an ever-flowing spring, you know? If you've ever, in Missouri, we have a lot of springs and uh, my dad grew up out here off of uh, uh, Perrin Road, out uh, up on Jackson County, up by Happy Hollow. They had a spring on their property, and that spring ran all year long. Uh, and it was a good—you want a good spring if you're going to have property and you're going to draw off of it. You want it to be running all year long. That can also cause problems in the winter, right? Because there's all kinds of ice that forms and so on and so forth. But you know what? That's what Jesus is like. He's a—he's an endless spring, uh, and he springs from our souls. So. Paul tells us to acknowledge those who refresh us, and it's important to do that. And we saw that. And so the evidence of an open life, uh, it starts with submissive attitude, and then we surround ourselves with sincere saints. And then the last thing I want to point out here uh, is in verse 20. And he says, And all the brethren greet you, and greet you one another with uh, a holy kiss. <clears throat> now, before he says this, the Apostle Paul talks about these salutations. That's not a word that we use very often. Uh, you know, and, and Paul goes on to say in verse 21, uh, um, the salutation of me, Paul, with mine own hand. So what's he talking about? Are we like standing around, you know, come in and salute everyone? Uh, that's kind of what we think of when we think of salutations, which is a formal way of greeting in the military, right? That's what we call it, saluting. Um, but that word salutations, right? You know, in, in uh, some languages they say salut or something like that, I think in French. But the, basically, it just is a greeting. It's like, hey, that's the greeting that we need to have. So he's talking about greeting one another. And, and, even, and that word is even used here in verse 20. He says, greet you, right? And, and all the brethren greet you, greet you one another with a holy kiss. So here's point number one under uh, 
if you're looking at the outline, that show scriptural love is the last point. We're going to end this, this whole study on this point. And we know in 1 Corinthians 13 is the chapter on charity. Charity is so important. It's lacking in Corinth. And he says, hey, you know what? Make sure you are showing scriptural love. If you want the evidence of an open life, you start with submissive attitude. You surround yourself with uh, sincere saints. That's points one and two. The third point is you show sincere love. If you're a note taker under that point in verse 20, what Paul's saying is spread the love, right? Now, right now, we're afraid of spreading a virus. So the last thing we want, we would love to come and here at HBF, we don't kiss each other, right? So re- receive one another by kissing your brother. No, don't do that. That just creeps us all out here in the Midwest. But uh, the re- in some cultures, you know, uh, it's, it's common. You know, they kiss you on the cheek. And I don't know, I've been places where they do that. And, of course, uh, you just go with the flow. But uh, us old Midwesterners, right, a good handshake will do. <laughs> so, but we miss a handshake, something that I was not acquainted with until I became uh, saved. The only man I usually hugged was my dad occasionally. Now, we didn't sit around and hug each other all the time. My dad did hug me from time to time. As a, when I was little, he hugged me all the time. But when I was a young teenager, you know, that kind of backed off a little bit. And he would hug me when something serious was going on. And so when I got saved... Man, this whole culture of like hugging men was just like, what? Uh, and so, uh, but it was, you know what I found? It was cool uh, to just every, have a, a man hug, right? This isn't any weird hugs, but a man hug, a guy come up and hug you. Uh, I'm thinking Mark Lockwood just shot me an encouraging text here before I came up to preach, and, and he's a hugger too. So guys like that, they'll come up and they'll, and they'll hug you, they'll embrace you, you know, and there's a, there's a limit on it, right? There's like so many seconds and so many pats, and then it's over. So men in the Midwest, they also have that culture, probably in the United States. And so, uh, but there's, it's just funny. I got to, I just, I'm laughing at myself. Nobody else is probably paying attention. But the reality is there's this, there's this, there's this, uh, this man hug culture in the church. And by the way, HBF's a church that uh, obviously we have a lot of women, but we also have a lot of men. And, uh, and uh, I know one man, I won't say his name right now because I wouldn't want to embarrass Jan Van Niekerk, but he hates, he, that's just not in his culture either. Uh, he's a man's man from South Africa, and uh, hugging is not something that, uh, you know, is, is uh, in his culture comfort zone. So every once in a while, I just like to get up in his grill and hug him, even though he doesn't like it. So, um, but anyway, uh, it's just kind of funny. But what that really is, is just showing some sincerity, some, you know, some true brotherly love philadelphian love and that's a culture that really i didn't i didn't experience uh until i got saved and got in a church and like these dudes are hugging me i mean what's this about and and it was sincere and it was and it was also affirming and it, and it does encourage you and so it's important that we really do reciprocate the love uh that god has given us within the confines of the culture of course um, I would not recommend you kiss any men on the cheeks around here. You might not get the response you're looking for. But, but uh, that's, it, that was customary, of course, for Paul. It still is in the Oriental cultures, oftentimes in the Middle East, uh, to greet one another uh, with a holy kiss. And, so, um, and, of course, he mentioned holy because there are people that would do that in an unholy fashion. And, so, and by the way, that can even occur with hugs. So uh, whatever the custom is, um, you know, it needs to be appropriate. Uh, whether it's a handshake, a hug, whatever the, the salutation is, a fist bump, an elbow bump today, whatever it becomes, right, uh, we should greet each other with that. We should share the love, and, and we should let people know that we appreciate their concern. And uh, I tell you, HBF, I just got to say, it's a great day to say it. I mean, HBF has been completely 
good to me and my family over the years from the, you know, from the first day till now. So I have nothing but love to share for HBF. The church family at HBF has been extremely loving and good to, to, to me and my family. And so from the you know, time we started the church and the church was born, from the time my children were born, uh, to this day now. I mean, it's just been a great um, environment. And, and the affirmation, you guys are so reciprocating when it comes to love. And that's really what <clears throat> that should be present in a church, right? There should be. That's what Paul's really talking about is people should know that, that you love them. Uh, one of the things that's encouraging to me to hear is when Doug Pearson, uh, one of our dearest friends, and, and uh, you know, he's a friend and a missionary, obviously, that our church is close with, uh, has been, you know, from the first days of his ministry till now, and now he and Bethany. One of the things that he told me uh, a few years ago is I love coming to Heartland. It's, number one, it's like home, but he told me the reason it's like home is because when I come here, I feel loved. I know him. He knows he's loved. And, and he is, right? And we want to we love up on missionaries. We want to love on people. And they need that because that's the love of Christ being given to them. And so showing scriptural love is so important. We need to spread the love. It's no good to love someone if they don't know it, <laughs> right? Oh, I love them, but I'm never going to show it. I'm never going to tell them. Well, that's not going to work very well. You know, God so loved the world that what did he do? He gave his son. He didn't just say, you know, I love the world. I'm God and I'm omnipotent. And I am self, I'm self-sufficient. I'm self-satisfied. He is. God doesn't need us at all. He doesn't even, he doesn't have to have humanity. He chose us. He chooses to interact with us because, well, he loves us. He wants to. It's not because he has to. Uh, he wants to do that. He shows his love. So when he loved the world, he did something dramatic to show his love, and that is to give his only son, right? To, to literally, to, to send, to, to, he was never manifest in the flesh uh, as a human uh, with the limitations of humanity until he was born his the virgin birth of mary that i mean that his incarnation is the big word we use for that i mean that was like going over and above he showed up all the time as the angel of the lord he's got a physical body he's we know that all the way through the bible right he's in the walking in the garden in the cool of the day he's talking to abraham i mean he's showing up and, and talking to joshua so jesus is making appearances we call him christophanies in the old testament he's showing up all the time in a physical glorified body uh, that he's had, you know, before the before the, uh, you know, before the resurrection world, you know, and, and but the reality is he was never incarnated, made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, until he was born. I mean, that is whoa. And not only was he just born, but then he lived this sinless life for thirty three years, and then he dies on the cross for our sin. I mean, what love is this, right? That's that's amazing. That's 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 him showing. Love, that's him spreading the love, and literally his love is contagious. So right now we have the COVID virus, right? And, and it'd be forbidden to run up and start kissing everybody, greeting each other with a holy kiss for the main reason that, well, that's going to transmit a, a virus. But, beloved, we need to make sure we're transmitting the virus of, of Christ, right? We need to transmit the love of Christ. And may it be contagious and much more contagious than COVID-19. Wouldn't that be incredible? And I tell you, it is contagious. When someone loves you, that you want to love them back. You want to reciprocate that if you have any kind of heart at all. <laughs> and so, um, and so I just want to, I appreciate the love of Christ. I appreciate the love of Christ tangibly that comes through his local New Testament church. And I pray that you all, everybody, I'm looking right now at a couple hundred faces or that has to be, a, we have 300 chairs. So that's over 200, that's probably over 200 faces. So I'm looking at over 200 faces right now that represent members of HBF. And uh, and uh, and a few guests that come regularly, regular attenders, 
And so, and so I pray that everybody right now is, is, can sense the love of Christ. Uh, man, that they know that they're loved. There's a home. It's, it, it isn't this building. You are the building, and we are all connected, right? This building is like clothes for the body. So it's just kind of representative. In, our, in, the, in the office right now, there's a, a representative image of, of Brianna Blowers so that when Kathy kind of shows up for essential business and, and uh, Brianna's working from home, she can look at that desk and, and remember there's a picture in color. She's really, she really rates in color of Brianna, and then they put a T-shirt on and everything. I mean, so it's almost like she's sitting in her chair. So what is that? That's just, hey, that's throwing a little love out to the office staff and saying, hey, we miss you. And uh, we're glad that you're here. So when the when the father, um, when my dad passed away here at HBF, I was here pastoring at HBF, I can remember just the amazing outpouring of love that the church body had toward me personally. And uh, there's times in your life when you're just, I mean, man, there's just not words. And the body of Christ is just there to love you. In good times and bad times, the, the birth of your children, I haven't married off any kids. Someday I'll do that. You know, it's awesome to have physical family. Nothing taken away from. Obviously, you should love your physical family. That goes without saying. But then there's this extended family, so to speak, and the and the relationships are rich. And if you're not really getting in on that, man, I I just I'm sorry. You know, and I do know that there have been people. There's been people, and I'll just be frank, um, in our church family that for whatever reason, they they, it's like they lose love. You know. They aren't getting the love or they aren't sharing the love. I don't know where something gets messed up in this love relationship. And, and it usually probably starts with God, is my guess. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, we start getting sour on all these relationships. And, you know, people are people. They do have to take showers. And they do have two armpits and other issues. And, and some, th- some things about people stink. That's, that's the truth. But when you have love, you know what? The Bible talks about that. You know, charity hopeth all things. Charity believeth all things. And, and you can go back to 1 Corinthians and look at that. It's like a, like a love thermometer. And look at the attributes of love. We talked about that when we were in that chapter. And just kind of get measure yourself because you can kind of tell where you're at with God by the way you view others. And oftentimes we look at others and we, look and, and we think it's their problem, but really usually it's our problem. And so God allows that to happen in our life so we can kind of realize where we're at in our relationship with other people and man i I tell you it's a bummer when people um they just don't they don't see the love of christ in god's people and so it's amazing how uh, while that some people are saying that very thing and i get the privilege as a pastor of seeing both and it's just hard because i know like at hbf this church loves people but it is important as we love people that we love new people that we love people that we don't always know very well, that we reach out across the aisle, so to speak, or we befriend people that aren't in our little group of friends because people can feel isolated. They can feel disconnected. And so love does need to be spread, right? It's not meant to just, it can get stagnant if it just stays in, the, in a pool. It needs to be spread out among the body of Christ. You need to always be growing. And I like when we do different ministries and we mix up volleyball players on different teams and things get all messed up and everything gets, you know, all, or, or you're doing a VBS and, and uh, you know, you're, now you're working over here with people you're not used to working with. That's excellent, right? Because if we show the love of Christ to everybody, the love just continues to spread and it grows across the body of Christ. And so... It's so important uh, to show that love because I tell you, it's really important to those that are on the field. When missionaries come home, you can talk to any missionary. Rather, I just mentioned a few minutes ago, 
Uh, of course, Pastor Randy was a missionary to Africa. But you can talk to Brian Clark in London. You can talk to Doug Pearson in Asia. You can talk to um, uh, anybody you want to talk to that's one of our missionaries. I don't want to name them all off. I'll be here too long. The point, the point is, is that when they come back to visit, you know what they want? They want to sense the love of Christ. They want to, they want to come to your vision conference. They want to be on your church and give a report. Why? Because they get as much from you. Uh, as they are giving you. So love is so important to spread around. But also we need to be genuine in that. In verse 21, Paul goes on to say, uh, the salutation of me, Paul. And notice what he says, with mine own hand. You know, Paul wrote his epistle with his own hand so that they would know the seriousness of his concern for their correction and that they would know the serious uh, nature of his love for them. He loved them, right? He, he, he said some hard things in the epistle. But ultimately, what they needed to know and what he was demonstrating is like, guys, I wrote this with my own hand. I love you. I've written hard letters myself before. When, if it's there are a couple of things I do by hand. I always like to do thank yous by hand, if at all possible. Uh, not always possible today. Sometimes no one gives you their address, so you've got to email them. That's all you got or text them. But when possible, I like to literally write out a thank you card and send a thank you card because there's something about that that just shows sincerity. You're, you're taking time out of your life to write something down. But also on hard letters, I've had to write hard letters or hard responses. And, you know, what? hard responses sometimes are best written by hand because people know you took the time to put your thoughts on paper uh, by hand. Uh, every, every month we, we're in a medical share thing, and when someone has a medical need, we send them some help financially and we write them a little note. I make sure that's a little handwritten note. You know, it just lets people know, I really am praying for you. I'm praying for whatever happened, your hip surgery, et cetera, et cetera. And here you go. Here's some money and here's some love, right? We're spreading the love. We're being genuine. We're being sincere. Paul says, I just want you to know I'm sincere about this. I didn't dictate this to one of the guys that could scribe well and write probably better than Paul, uh, although Paul is probably pretty good with writing. But I didn't have a scribe do this. I did it myself. I wrote it with my own hand because scriptural love is not always easy and fluffy. Sometimes Looking at ourselves in the glass, it can be even painful, right? It can be hard. And so Paul wanted to know, you know what? I love you guys. I love you very much. So uh, be personal in your approach to sharing truth with others, especially, and I just want to highlight this, especially if it deals with tough love, right? Sometimes we got to administer tough love. And when that happens, you need to be very genuine uh, and, and, and loving, even though sometimes it, it has to be tough. So... Don't play games with God. That's another thing in verse 22 as he's wrapping this up. He says, uh, If any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema maranatha. It's almost like Paul could anticipate there's going to be some people, as he's being very vulnerable and talking about his love and care for the body, uh, there's, there's always going to be somebody who is just shooting an arrow, shooting a dart. Paul knew the people he was dealing with. He spent 18 months in Corinth, <coughs> and uh, they really weren't always the, the kindest people. And so he knew that he was going to deal with some arrogant uh, people. And, and so he almost like anticipates that and says, hey, for those of you, right, uh, if, if any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, just, so, just in case you're reading this among the body and you really don't love the Lord Jesus Christ, just let him be anathema maranatha. So next time you want to, you know, you get cut off in traffic and you just want to let loose, just say anathema maranatha, right? You don't even have to, yeah, you don't need to curse. Paul's like, he, Paul has a word for it. It's anathema maranatha. So what does that mean? I knew you were going to ask. Um, I'm titling this under don't play games with God, but really anathema means accursed. That's pretty serious. Let him be accursed. 
Uh, whoa, that's serious. Look at, look at chapter uh, 12 with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and, uh, and verse 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I'm sorry, verse 3. Paul says, Wherefore I give you uh, to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed. All right, so that word there is anathema. If you have a, an Oxford wide margin, I don't know about the Cambridge, but the King James gang, the translators, put in your marginal note under number three, the definition there, it's anathema. It's the same word as a curse. So you don't even, it's, it's laid out right there for you. You don't even have to grab a concordance on that one. And so we can see that that's what that word anathema means in, in 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 3. You can go over to Romans chapter 9. Go back to Romans chapter 9 and look in verse 3 there as well. In Romans 9, 3. It says, for I could wish that myself were, here it is, accursed, accursed. Now, in the mar- marginal note there, it's separated, right? It's, it's cut off is really what it means. It's to be accursed. It's to be cut off. Um, and so he says, I wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. If he could be, he would have been accursed. I've been mentioning this on Sunday morning as well. And so we don't want to be accursed, no uh, and we, you know, God forbid that someone else is, but Paul does cut, he cuts it, cuts it to the core. He says, hey, if you love not the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, they just aren't going to receive the love of Christ. Let them be anathema. And then he says maranatha. Okay, what in the world is maranatha? It sounds like a singing group, but it's not. Well, there it is. There actually is a singing group called maranatha. But the point is simply this. Maranatha means the Lord, uh, the Lord's coming. What's that got to do with anything? Literally what Paul is saying is that those who don't submit to God's authority will be cut off from God and cursed at his coming. Whoa, that's pretty heavy. So just for all of those, <laughs> he's getting all soft and fuzzy and he's giving all kinds of love and spreading the love out and giving all these great examples of love. He just throws a little shot out. He says, hey, if you love not the Lord Jesus Christ, um, um, go ahead. You're going to be cut off at the Lord's coming. Whoa, uh, you're not going to be available at his presence. Oh, wow. And so, man, that's a sober word. Because today in this culture in which we live, there's a lot of people who take, make light of the Lord Jesus and of the relationship Christians have with the Lord. We need to understand uh, that they're already dead in trespass and sins. We need, to, we need to remember that. That's why we need to preach the gospel. And if there is someone in the congregation that is really lost and they're really cynical and they're really uh, just not... They don't have the ability to love. If you don't have Christ in you, you can't love properly. He is love, just like he is the resurrection. And so, man, God forbid, but Paul says, hey, if you don't love the Lord Jesus Christ, you're choosing it. Go ahead. You're cut off at the presence of the Lord. It's serious. And so he doesn't play games. He's saying don't play games with God. If you don't, if you don't want to participate in God's program, then you get what you sow, you reap what you sow. So we not only need God's grace for salvation, but also for our sanctification and glorification. He comes down to verse 23 and says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ save you. No, he doesn't say save you, he says be with you. Right? So, well, what's that talking about? Well, we need, we need God's grace, not only to be saved. Obviously, we're saved by grace through faith, and that not of ourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. But the reality is we need God's grace to function, to, to go forward, to grow forward in faith. We need God's grace to be sanctified and, and glorified. Grace is part of our salvation, but it doesn't just end there. Grace is something you just can't have too much of. I was visiting with a brother the other day, and I just that's one of the things I offered is you got to have grace. Grace unto it, man, you got to have grace. Uh, you can never have too much grace. 
And, and then he says in verse 24, as we get to the last verse, My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Those who rest in God's grace, you know what they do? They receive the love that they need. Paul had the love he needed so he could give it to the church that needed love. Scriptural love is not mandated by how we feel, uh, but by, by those who love God. When we love God, God gives us the love we need to love others. Paul didn't love the Corinthians because of their behavior. That's, that's very evident. It wasn't the behavior he loved. It was they, them that they loved. Why? Because, well, Jesus Christ loved them. And because Jesus loved them, Paul loved them. And so Paul didn't love the Corinthians because of their behavior. He loved them because they had chose Christ and, and were in him. They were in Christ. And if Paul didn't love the Corinthians, he didn't love Christ. And that's how it really is in the church body, too. If you don't love, I'm looking at these faces out here, and I can say I love every one of them because they all profess to love Christ. And if you love the Lord Jesus Christ, I love you, right? Because that's what the Bible says. Um, And who do you love? Remember that song in the 60s, who do you love, or maybe the 70s? Why do you love is another question. Those are two good questions. Who do you love? Do you love others because you feel like it or because God loves them? When you're a member of a church body, man, you're going to be tested on that. So often we base our emotions or our feelings for love based on emotion, how we feel about people. But we really need to make sure we base it on truth. Do you really believe someone is saved or lost? If they're saved, then you need to love them. That's all there is to it. Why? Because they're God's child. That doesn't mean there sometimes there doesn't have to be tough love and all of those things. But even in tough love, we should have a heart of charity. We should have a heart of grace. And we should know how to administer that tough love as Paul did to the Corinthians. You say, yeah, but man, I don't think they're saved. They're so rotten. Oh, okay, well then you should love them anyway, right? Because Jesus died on the cross for their sin. You should make sure you share the gospel so that they can, you can't expect lost people to act saved. So what are you upset about? Maybe they need to be led to Christ. And so those things, those simple things like that, they're very profound. Who do we love? If we love Christ, we're going to love people. We're going to love the saved people. We're going to even love the lost people. Paul, Jesus said, it's not a big deal if you, if you, if you love those that love you. It's a bit, you know what? I'm going to give you the grace to love your enemies. I'm going to give you the grace to love the people who hate you. And then he goes about to demonstrate that himself. Now, how can you not find that incredible? I mean, you, you have to. Uh, because Jesus is greater than that. He's greater than the hatred that was uh, put upon him. He just absorbed it all and overcame it in love. And then resurrected. And he's in, all, he's in power. He's in charge. He doesn't have anything to prove, but yet he's proved everything. He's amazing. He's humble. He's a definition of humility as well. And so if you only love those who you feel like loving, then you'll never experience. I'm going to say something here, so let me back up. Let me rewind the tape. I'm going to say something, so if you've been cleaning the kitchen or doing something else, stop what you're doing and and listen. If you only love those who feel like, like loving... Like you, I'm sorry, if you only love those who we feel like loving, then we'll never experience the love of Christ. If you only go through life loving people that you think, well, I can love this person, I can extend love and grace to this person, that's the only people, the people you select, you're going to miss out on the love of Christ. The, the thing I've learned in the church, and I've learned this in the church, the people that I've learned to love the most are the people that in my nature I don't love. Some of my best friends in the ministry over the years are people that I literally, in my flesh, did not want to be in the same room with them. And God has broke me in this regard over and to my shame multiple times throughout my time in Christ the last 30 years. I could name names, I won't. 
But some of my dearest friends in the ministry, let me say that, even people that are my fruit, God really judged me harsh one time. And I found out a man I discipled discipled this certain man, and I was like, this is literally like my grandson in the Lord. I have to love him. So personalities and things like that, that doesn't matter. God will show you, you know what, Brian, I got a deeper love. I got a deeper love than you even know. And he'll teach you to love people that you may not even initially like. And then you'll have a deeper appreciation for those people than you could have ever thought. I mean, that's the way God, God works. And he grows you through that. I get it when you're young in the Lord, you're kind of judgmental. And you think this and you think that. And what you think is what you think is important. But the further you go in the ministry, the further you go in life, the further you know the Lord Jesus, you'll find out that he'll give you a grace to love people that you don't even like. And then before you know it, you love them more than you ever thought you could. And you're like, man, Lord, thank you for helping me learn how to love like you love. Thank you for giving me that grace. Because the truth is, we're not always so likable either. <clears throat> and so Christ died for people who, who curse his name, both verbally and in every other way. Do you love people who don't love you back? That's really what I'm saying. There's times when you, you can love people you don't like, but what's it like to love people who don't love you back? What about when you, you don't get back from others what you would like to get back do you still love them anyway christ does christ does you need god's love so that you can love people who won't love you back if they are in christ jesus if they're saved they're your brother love them because they have the same father love them because you know what that's my that's my father's son that's my father's child that's my father's daughter over there so i'm going to love them anyway if you love christ you got to love people and so that's the really what paul's teaching the corinthians isn't it if they're going to complete their call, if they're going to be everything God saved them to be, they have to have an open heart. And they have to be willing to walk through open doors. And they have to be willing to commit to an open life. And that means they've got to have relationships with people. And they have to have proper relationships with people. So that means they've got to have a proper attitude. Is their attitude right with God? Because if it isn't right with God, it's not going to be right with each other. And how's our fellowship? Are we surrounding ourselves with sincere saints? If our fellowship isn't right with God, well, guess what? It's going to corrupt everyone around us. I did a men's conference a few months back, and that's what I told them. And listen, if you're not right with God, you aren't right with your family. Your family might be doing well right now, but the reality is you still aren't right with them, right? Because unless you're doing, if you're not doing good with God, you're not doing good with your family. I don't care what you think. You can't, you, what you reap is what you sow. So how, is, how scriptural is your love? Are you, are you selective in your love? Are you selfless in your love? Are you willing to love people that you don't want to love? Are you willing to love like Jesus loves? Do you know God is calling you? Is God calling you? Do you know that you have a race to run? Do you know that God has saved you for a purpose and you're about his business? And will you lay down anything that would hinder your walk with God because you love God enough to do that? These are hard questions. These are things that we've mined out of the book of 1 Corinthians over the last several years. So lastly, um, what we want to do is we want to complete our call. We want to we be, in the first chapter of this epistle, Paul wrote glowing words about the Corinthians, and that's really what he wanted them to be. But that's not what he wanted for them. That's what Jesus wanted for them. And so uh, my pastor uh, at KCBT, Jeff Adams, used to quote from a guy named Manley Beasley, who was quite a prolific preacher in his day. And uh, one of the things that he would always repeat that really struck a chord with Pastor Jeff Adams was, are you what is written? And that's really the thing. Are we what's written? And, you know, 
Um, in some ways we all are, in some ways we kind of we fall short, don't we? And that's why we got to get in the Word of God. We got to pray. You know, we got to ask for His grace. God, help us. Help me be someone that I'm not. Help me grow. Help me learn to love like you. Help me to be like you. Help me be willing to do what you want, want to do in my life so I can be everything you've saved me to be and accomplish that which you saved me to accomplish. So that's our time in 1 Corinthians, and that we have completed that. Uh, we'll jump into 2 Corinthians, uh, Lord willing. And as I used to say, uh, the creek don't rise, right? So, uh, so I don't think the creek's going to rise, and we'll be back. So thank you for joining us tonight. That's my uh, kind of message, devotional thought for the evening. I pray that you're encouraged in the Lord. Is there any comments or questions before we go off the air over there? Okay, so I'm going to have a word of prayer, and uh, I pray this has been an encouraging word for you tonight. We're going to go to to more prayer. Remember to review your prayer list, and uh, this is a good time to gather again as a family. Uh, The Wednesday night prayer list was out Wednesday night, and uh, go over that and, uh, and pray for the saints that are on that list. So let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for your word. Thank you for time just to study it once again tonight.